0: All right. It is good to be back with you all this week. I was preaching at the Central Church last Sabbath. If you all remember back in February, Pastor Walter Martinez preached a sermon here, and we sort of had an agreement that if he preached here, that I would fill in and help him out and and preach there as well. But I'm back today, and this morning's sermon is entitled The Son of Man. And If you'll allow me, I just want to open by asking a question. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? He's the man of many names, right? If you're familiar with the Bible, you'll realize that throughout the Gospels, people referred to him most as the Christ or the Messiah. But he's been called a number of other things as well. He was called Rabbi, Son of God, Lord, Master, the Word, the Light of the World, Son of David, Lamb of God, and the list goes on from there. Yet, Jesus, when referring to himself, most often called himself the Son of Man the Son of Man. Now, have you ever stopped to wonder why that is? Why? The Son of Man, what does that mean? In order to begin to unearth the answer, we've actually got to go back. We've got to go back into the Old Testament to the prophetic book of Daniel. The phrase comes from an important chapter in that book. You see, Daniel was an Israelite prisoner. He was a prisoner of war who was forced to live in the beastly empire of Babylon. And while he was there, he was also forced to work for the prideful, violent king who had destroyed his home. I mean, can you imagine Somebody comes in, destroys your home, kills your loved ones, and then you have to live with them and work for them. Doesn't sound fun. Doesn't sound like an easy task. Yet he moved forward with the help, with the power of God. And while he was living and working in Babylon, Daniel had this wild and prophetic dream chapter 7, Daniel chapter 7, starting at verses 2 and 3, Daniel spoke saying, I saw in my vision by night and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea and four great beasts came up from the sea, each different from the other. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I watched till its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand on two feet like a man, and a man's heart was given to it. And suddenly another beast, a second like a bear, it was raised up on one side and had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth, and they said thus to it, arise, devour much flesh." After this, I looked, and there was another, like a leopard, which had on its back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. And after this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth. Then it was devouring, breaking in pieces, and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. He saw four beasts coming up out of a dark and tempestuous sea. Hybrid, monster like animals, each scarier than the one before. And the fourth beast, it was such a mutant that there's no other beast living that we know of that he could describe it as. It is violent, leaving death and destruction in its wake. And then Daniel is told that these beasts symbolize violent and prideful kings and their empires, just like the very one Daniel was currently enslaved to. And these creatures, they aren't just random But these images are developing an important biblical theme. How humans are like these remarkable creatures, capable of doing great good, but also horrible evil. We can, if we're honest with ourselves, we can admit that sometimes we behave like animals. Look at the first pages of the Bible. God creates the beasts of the fields and humans together, all from the dust of the ground. But then the humans are set apart and given a royal task of being God's image. Genesis 1, 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So us humans, in a lot of ways, we are similar to the animals, but we're called to become much more. We're to be God's representatives on this earth, ruling on his behalf like kings and queens, but... If we keep reading the story here, we keep reading in the Bible, we'll find that humans are deceived by a beast who says that they could be more than just God's partners. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Essentially, the serpent tells Adam and Eve that they can actually rule the world on their own terms, which sounds pretty good to them. But God, God in his infinite wisdom, he knows this will be a disaster, a complete and utter disaster. And so he expels the humans to the realm of the beasts. Genesis 3, 22. And if you guys will just bear with me and apologize, I'm going to pull this over I did get my vaccine the other day, and ever since I got it, I've been feeling a little lightheaded, so sorry. I'm going to be a little awkward here. (laughs) Um, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 22, it says, Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, to know good and evil, and now, lest he put his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the Garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. The partnership is lost. The partnership that man had with God from the beginning is lost at this point. But thankfully, God makes a promise on that very day. He makes a promise that one day a human will be born. And this human, this man, will not give in to the beast. Rather, he will overcome and crush the serpent while being struck by it. While God is speaking to the servant, he gives this messianic prophecy in verse 15, Genesis 3, 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And then we see for the rest of the Old Testament biblical story, we're waiting for that human. The men and women of God are waiting for that promise to come true. But instead, in story after story, we find people acting like beasts. Like in the story about Cain, right? He's he's jealous. He's angry with his brother Abel. And God warns Cain that he is facing a beastly urge called sin, a dark and mysterious kind of evil that, if it's allowed, will consume humans. But God says that Cain can rule the beast if he chooses. But he doesn't. (laughs) He doesn't rule the beast. He lets this urge devour him, and he becomes like the beast. After this, Cain's children spread their animal-like violence. It leads to the founding of a whole civilization known for its beastly pride. Do you know what city that is? City of Babylon, the city of Babylon. Genesis 6.5 says this, then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And that verse, I believe, perfectly illustrates the spirit of Babylon, the spirit of Babylon. And so now we can, we can fast forward a little bit Bring us back to Daniel's enslavement, his bizarre dream. But what happens next? He sees into God's throne room where a court is set up and God condemns the beast to destruction. Concerning the ancient of days who is seated on the throne, Daniel says, I watched then because of the sound of the pompous words which the horden was speaking. I watched till the beast was slain and its body destroyed and given to the burning flame. Now, that's great, right? That, that's, that's good news here. And then Daniel sees that there's actually more than one divine throne. More than one divine throne. You all remember that this, this throne that was symbolized in the garden, right? The throne that humanity was supposed to sit on and, and rule this world, but they gave it up. And there hasn't been a human since that was able to overcome the beast and rule alongside God. Until now, until this dream that Daniel is having, he's seeing someone is coming. Something is going to change. Daniel sees a figure called the son of man, which means a a human. A human that's going to be able to do something that no other human had been able to do up to this point. He rides on a cloud up into God's presence and sits down on the divine throne to rule the world. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven, he came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. The partnership is renewed. The partnership is renewed. And even more, all humanity worships and serves this son of man alongside God. So who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? The worship that we see taking place in Daniel's vision, it it tells us that this is no ordinary human. This is some sort of God, human. And so now, hopefully we can see a little bit more clearly why Jesus of Nazareth, when he came onto the scene centuries later, chose this title, the Son of Man, for himself. He was claiming to be that truly human one on a mission to confront the beast. He was even tempted, though, He was tempted to seize power upon the beast's terms, to act like the beast. But unlike every other human before him, Jesus resisted that urge. Matthew 4, 1. Then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After each temptation, the enemy threw his way. He he responded with three words. It is written. It is written. Verse 4, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Verse 7, Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And then verse 10, then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only you shall serve. And then he went about his ministry. Jesus went about his ministry, banishing the beast from people's lives. And he was teaching people how to rule the beast instead of being ruled by it. And how exactly can the beast be ruled over? How can this be done? This is how Jesus did it. John 10, 17 and 18. Therefore, this is Jesus speaking here. Therefore, my father loves me because I laid down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. Jesus defeated the beast by out of love giving up his life. Rule the beast? Defeat the beast? By dying? Yep. Yep. When Jesus was on trial in a human courtroom and he was being condemned to death, he said this Hereafter, You will see the Son of Man. Bless you. (laughs) Hereafter, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. When was this? It's in the courtroom, right? When was this? This was right before Jesus was going to be taken to the cross. Right before the cross. From one perspective, this cross right here looks like a beastly device of torture. But Jesus viewed it as his throne. On this throne, he exposed the subhuman nature of our evil by letting it do its worst. Sin's destructive power was shown in all its ugly reality. Yet Christ overcame it with his divine life, in his divine love. Jesus' execution was his exaltation. So Jesus, he's the first human that overcame the beast. As a result, he can partner with God to rule the world, which brings us to the prophetic book of Revelation, specifically Revelation chapter 5. In that chapter, the ending of sin and the defeat of Babylon is symbolized by the opening of a scroll, and the scroll had seven seals. It was, it, it was keeping it shut. It couldn't be open. No one in heaven or earth was found that could open this. No one was worthy, but then one showed up. One showed up looking like a lamb that had been slain. It was Jesus. He took the scroll and all of, uh, all of heaven burst into song, singing, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. And so now Jesus is summoning a new humanity into existence, one that can overcome the beast in the same paradoxical way, to rule the beast by dying, to rule the beast by dying, and then by discovering that Jesus' life and power can become our new life and our new power. So we can rule the world as God's partners Jesus style, in the power of service and humility and self-sacrificing love. Now, it's been a while since I've given you all homework, right? I I, I realize that. It's been a while since I've given you all homework, but that's going to change right now. (laughs) This week, I'm going to ask you to do two things. I'm going to ask you to do two things. First. Each day, I want you to read this following text. And if it's going to help you to remember it, write it down. Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Let those words sink in bask in the reality of the fact that Christ's death was your death. The death of that old man or old woman who wanted to live a life of selfish exaltation like the beast, but also realize that you now can live a new life in spirit and in truth, believing in faith that you are a new creation with the mind and character of Christ. And then, second, second bit of the homework, I want you to pray daily that God would give you the opportunity to live out this truth. Pray that God would give you the opportunity to live out this truth. So go in faith, dear friends. The beast is a defeated foe, his kingdom is a fallen kingdom. And each day we can. Instead of building up that kingdom, spread the kingdom of God. Amen and amen.